If you have a Bible, I would like you to open it to the 23rd Psalm. And uh, as we think about this this morning, I was uh, thinking before we came up to Vancouver, it is amazing that when you think about being a Christian, one of the things that we all have in common is the same Lord and the same Word. The Bible. And folks, listen to me. It is also an amazing thing how familiar we can get with certain verses. That when you hear the verse said, quoted, or spoken, we have a way of writing it off and saying, ah, I know that verse. And there are certain verses we all know. We all know in 1 John, that little verse that says, God is love. We all know Romans 8.28, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to them that love God and to them that are called according to His purpose. But the theology of that verse is overwhelming. I doubt if there's one person sitting here that doesn't know John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. We all know that, don't we? If you go back to the book of Genesis, I doubt if there's anybody who doesn't know Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, we've forgotten that, but that's what it says. Matter of fact, when you think of the Bible, do you know what the hardest verse in all of Scripture is? The most difficult verse in the Bible. Anybody want to guess? Can we tell you? Say yes. Genesis 1.1 In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You say, well, that's not hard. Oh, yes, it is. Because, folks, If you believe that verse, you don't have a problem with anything else in the Bible. If you can believe that God created the heavens and the earth, you don't have any problem with God splitting the Red Sea. You don't have any problem with God knocking down the walls of Jericho. You don't have any problem with God curing a leper, giving sight to the blind, or raising the dead. If you can believe God created the heavens and the earth. But do you understand how much theology is in that one verse? Before any critics, scoffers, or liberals ever showed up, God already gave you all the answers. In the beginning, which means there was a time and a place when we started. In the beginning, God, which just killed atheism that says there's no God. In the beginning, God created, which just killed evolution that says we came from nothing. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, which means everything didn't evolve. There's no such thing as pantheism. There's no such thing as polytheism. Because in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You and I, our brothers and sisters, bound together by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, who from the very beginning, the Bible says, was known before the foundation of the world. And just like that verse is familiar, 
I don't know many people who've read the Bible who don't know these words. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the quiet waters. He restores my soul. How many have heard that verse? Yeah, we know that verse, don't we? Yes, we do. Matter of fact, there are times in life when that verse becomes very precious. At a funeral, that is the most often quoted passage of Scripture that is ever read. When you're a soldier in a faraway land, that is the passage that often comes to your mind. Matter of fact, it's a passage that brings a smile to your heart Sometimes a tear to your eye. But it's a passage that speaks to your soul. But have you ever contemplated what the passage says? You understand the writer of the 23rd Psalm is David. David was the king of Israel. David was probably the greatest king that Israel ever had. But before he was ever a king, he was a shepherd. He took care of sheep. In the hills of Bethlehem, he was the one who took care of his father's sheep. It was years later that he penned the 23rd Psalm. And folks, in that 23rd Psalm are some tremendous truths. All I want to do this morning is give you the first line. And let's look at it. The Lord is my shepherd. Now do you realize when you just look at those five words, are four truths that we need to grab a hold of. The Lord is my shepherd. When you think of that, the first truth you see is He is preeminent. The Lord. It doesn't say a Lord or of many Lords. It is the Lord. When you and I think of the world in which we live in right now, we live in a very religious world. I told you Vancouver was lost. I didn't tell you it wasn't religious. There are a lot of religious people who live in your city. But trust me when I say this to you, religion won't get you to heaven. Christianity is defined by the world as a religion. Christianity is not a religion. Religion, by definition, is man working his way to heaven. Christianity, by definition, is a relationship because it is God who has worked His way to us. It wasn't we who went looking for Him. It is He who came looking for us. And who was it that came looking? The Lord. The Hebrew word here in your text is the word Yahweh. It is the word we translate Jehovah. It is the most holiest name of God. Matter of fact, it was so holy to a Jew, they wouldn't even say it. And when they wrote it down, they took the pen and they broke it. 
never to use it again. It is a word that strikes reverence in the heart of a Jewish person. But for you and I, folks, it ought to strike joy. We don't worship a God. We worship the God. We worship the Creator of heaven and earth. We worship the One in whose image we have been created. We worship the One who is the Savior of the world. And you see, my conviction is this. The only way you become an atheist is to get educated. You weren't born that way. You were born with an understanding that there is a God. And folks, you got to go to school to get educated to believe there's no God. There is no way you can live in this beautiful city and on a clear night look in the heavens and the stars, and the moon, and the sun, and all that you see, and not believe there isn't a God. And who is the God of the heavens? The Lord. The Lord right here. The preeminent one. And you see, when it comes to Christ, He has no peer group. There are no others who can compare with Him. We have people today in the world who worship rocks, who worship trees, who worship crystals, who worship statues. But they can't hear, they can't see, they can't speak. You worship the Lord Jesus Christ. You worship the One who made you and knows you better than you do. And you see, when you look at Scripture, He is the Lord. And we have brothers and sisters who down through the years who have literally given their life because they wouldn't bow the knee to anybody else's God. They were going to worship the Lord. I remember three little Hebrew boys in the book of Daniel that when King Nebuchadnezzar built a 90-foot statue and commanded everybody to bow when the music started, everybody bowed but three. And it's the most amazing thing that everybody who bowed looked up to see those three and turned them in. And the king brought them and said, and this is what he said, What God is there that can deliver you out of my hands? And those three little Hebrew boys said, Oh, king." You don't need to worry your heart about this, but just let you understand, we're not going to bow. They wouldn't bow. They wouldn't bend. And Scripture shows us they wouldn't burn. He threw them into the fiery furnace. It was so hot it burned the guards who threw them in. But when the king looked in there, you remember what it said? He asked his people, how many did we throw in there? Three. How many did we throw in there? Three. What's wrong? He says, I see four. And one looks like the Son of God. <laughs> and it was. And he had come down to deliver his three boys. Listen, folks. A lot of stuff going on in our culture right now. 
This is no time to bow to anybody else's God. This is no time to bend and compromise. Every time the church compromises, the church loses. We need to stand. Because folks, we don't serve a God. We serve the God. The Lord. He is preeminent. But notice secondly, the Lord is. What's that mean? It means He is present. He is present. The Lord is. Look at your Bible. It doesn't say the Lord was. It doesn't say the Lord is going to come. It says the Lord is. How many of you sitting here have never had a problem? Raise your hand. Thank you for being honest. How many of you sitting here right now have at one time or another, be honest, have thought maybe God was asleep and He left you all by yourself? Yeah. There are times we say, Lord, where are you? There are times your friends say, I thought you had a God who loved you. Where's your God now when you're going through all this? And folks, here's the bottom line truth. He's right here. He said to you, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Well, then how come I go through all these trials? What, you think you're exempt? Folks, listen. If you never had a trial, you'd never know how great your God is to get you out of it. If you never had any troubles, how would you ever see God work in your life to get you through the situation? Your greatest times of growth have not been in the good times. They've been in the hard times. Amen. Because it's in the hard times that you got to trust Him, huh? It's in the hard times that you turn to Him, huh? It's in the hard times that you quit Mickey Mousing around in prayer and get really real with things and get right with God. And isn't it amazing how God always shows up? I am absolutely amazed how many people go to church on Sunday morning and leave the door and you think you left God here. Listen, folks. He's always with you. He knows every thought. He's been in every conversation. He knows what you're thinking for you think. You know why? Because the Lord is my shepherd. He is present. He is with you. He will never leave you. And the promise is one day He's going to come get us and take us to be where He is and we're going to be there for all eternity. Moses. Talking to Ray the other day. Mo, Mo, you remember Moses? Not a bad guy. God used Moses to deliver over two and a half million people from Egypt. But Moses, it took Moses a while to figure out how to do this the right way. Moses spent 40 years learning to be a somebody. Then he had to spend 40 years learning to be a nobody. And when he learned those two lessons, then God could use him when he was 80 years old. People today say, well, I'm old enough to retire. There's no retirement. Listen, folks, some of your best ministry years are when you can retire from work and you have more time. But I know how old Moses was and he didn't get started until he's 80. 
80 years old, out shepherding sheep, sitting down below Mount Sinai, and he looks up at the mountain, and he sees a bush burning. That's all right. Goes around, looks around for a while, looks back up there, and the bush is still burning. The only problem is the bush isn't being consumed. Moses says, I need to go up and see this thing. Now, you know where I'm at, don't you? I'm in Exodus chapter 3. Read it later. He goes up to the burning bush. Do you remember what it says? I promise you, this is what it says. It says, Moses was there, and he looked at the bush, and he started walking toward the bush. And the Bible says, I promise you it says this, Moses. And then there's a comment that says, Moses! Exclamation point. Now, you understand what you just read? Sure you do. This is what it was. He's walking up. Mo- <laughs> Moses! Come back here, Moses. That's what happened. Don't say, how do you know that? I don't know it, but I know people. You tell me you wouldn't run if you heard a bush talk to you. That's right. I mean, Moses. But a great conversation began to take place. And God began to explain to Moses things were going on. And then, then the Lord dropped the bomb. And I'm going to send you to Pharaoh. And Moses tried to get out of the whole conversation. I'm not... I'm, <laughs> and finally Moses said, well... Who shall I tell him sent me? You remember what he said? You tell them I am has sent you. I am is in the present. I am who I am. And I am all there is. And folks, when you know the great I am, you don't need anything else. He meets all your needs. He satisfies. He can give you anything you need. Which makes it even more sweeter when you read John chapter 8. And Jesus said to the Pharisees, Before Abraham was born, I am. They knew exactly who he said he was. They tried to stone him. And to prove that he is the great I am, he went to a cross and gave his life. And they buried him. And on the third day, he rose from the grave. Huh. Yeah. We not only have the Lord. The preeminent one. We have the present one. He's here right now. He's in this room. But folks, not only is He preeminent, not only is He present, but you understand thirdly, He's personal. David says, the Lord is my shepherd. He's not a out there for everybody God. He's your God. He is your personal Savior. He is your friend. You're better friend this morning. And He's yours. It's personal. 
I feel so sorry for people who worship a God that has no life. You not only have a God who has life, you have a God who gave you life. The Bible says you were dead in your trespasses and sins. But God, being rich in mercy, gave you life in Jesus Christ. You know that song, and He walks with me, and He talks with me, and He tells me I am His own, and the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. He's my God. He's your God. And you see, this is where the sermon turns sad. Because if you don't know Him as your Savior, then you don't know Him. See, the world wants to say, well, He's everybody's, everybody's Father. No, He's not. He's everybody's Creator, but He's not everybody's Father. He can only be your Father if you get adopted into the family. And you can only be adopted into the family if you come to that place where you realize that you're a sinner you agree with God you need a Savior, and you turn to the Lord Jesus and ask Him to forgive you and to come into your life and receive Him. And at that time, He saves you. He adopts you. He makes you part of the family. And then the Lord is mine. My Savior. Listen, folks. Sometimes you really don't get how good this is. But I'm here to tell you, there is no situation, there is no crisis, there is no weather problem that can ever separate you from the love of God. Which means, fourthly, not only is He preeminent, not only is He present, not only is He personal, but understand, fourthly, He's protective. The Lord is my shepherd. Now, David understood what that meant. Most of us here don't understand what that means. You understand a shepherd. In biblical days, there were two places you put the sheep. If you lived in the city, there was a big walled place. You could put them in, close the gate, and go home. But when you're out there in the fields at night, what you usually did was build a little rock quarry where you could put the sheep into, and there had to be an open place where they could get in and get out. That would be the door. And when the shepherd put the sheep in the door, you know where the shepherd would sleep? He'd sleep at the door to keep the sheep in and to keep the wolves out. He protected his sheep. Don't be offended at what I'm going to say, but folks, truthfully speaking, sheep are really dumb. They're just dumb. They wander. They get off course. They can get lost without even knowing it. They are so unpro- they can't protect themselves. They are prey for anything that wants to take them. 
and sheep need a shepherd. <laughs> and the Bible says, oh, we like sheep have gone astray. Every one of us here, as smart as you think you are, we still need a shepherd, don't we? We need somebody who will walk with us, who will protect us, who will feed us, who will guide us, who will give us direction. Listen, you have all of that in the Lord Jesus Christ. But let me tell you one more thing about a shepherd. A shepherd leads the sheep from the front. He doesn't drive the sheep like cattle. He walks in front and the sheep follow the shepherd. Jesus said in John 10, My sheep know me and they follow me. They know the voice of a shepherd. And when the shepherd speaks, they hear the shepherd. I have learned in my life I really don't think I have that distinctive voice, but I guess I do. Because I've had people blocks away hear me. Rob's in that you? Yes. It is me. They know the voice. Let me tell you something, folks. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, one of these days the Lord's going to come back and with a shout, we're out of here. You'll know the voice. And if you ever got yourself into the habit of praying, you realize that every time the Lord speaks to your heart, He never confuses you with a different voice. It's the same voice all the time. My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. But listen, folks. Smart sheep follow the shepherd. you do realize there are false shepherds. And it's easy to get distracted and follow the wrong people. I want to ask you a question this morning. Who are you following? Who are you following? Because you see, if you tell me you're following Jesus, And there's his love letter to you. And folks, we ought to be following the book. If you love me, Jesus says, you will obey me. This is a Bible that you bring to church. Take it home. Throw it by your bed. And never pick it up the rest of the week. This is the Word of God. It is living. It is active. It is sharper than a God will speak to you if you will listen. And the shepherd will lead you. And he will guide you. And he will give you direction. I'm looking around here realizing I'm speaking to a lot of students. You're spending a lot of money on books going to college. Bless you. Here's the best investment you ever make right here. And you can talk to me later about it if you want to. But I'm telling you, 
there's more wisdom in the book of Proverbs than in every library in Vancouver if you just listen to it. My sheep know me. And they hear my voice and they follow me. Listen to me, church. The Lord will never drive you. He will never herd you. He will lead you if you will follow. The Lord is my shepherd. He is the preeminent one. He is the present one. He is the personal one. And He is the protective one. Be wise. Follow the shepherd. And see how he will bless you. Amen. So, Father, thank you this morning for your word. Thank you for its truth. Thank you for our time. Thank you for loving us the way you do. And now, Lord, I pray for each and every one that's here. And Father, if there's one here this morning that has never made that decision to receive Christ, then Lord, today I pray they would open their heart and they would agree with You that they're a sinner who needs a Savior and they would invite You to come into their life. Lord, I pray that You will leave this church, give them directions. I pray for its leaders, and I pray, Father, today that we would be sheep who follow our shepherd. And we're going to give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother Thomas.